Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Good Drop. If it's morning while you're listening to this, if it's the middle of the day, it doesn't matter. Let it be a good day. You're about to listen to us. It's going to be a good day. I'm Michael. And I'm Stuart. And this is a Good Drop. Cheers. Cheers. So today, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about sparkling wine, more specifically champagne. Yes, well, champagne and sparkling white. Remembering, as as we've mentioned in the wine episode, that not all sparkling white wines are champagnes, but all champagnes are sparkling Spark- white. white wines. Yeah, and don't get those two mixed up. Uh, champagne is a trademark of France, and they will sue you. <laughs> yes, they they went to a lot of effort to uh, make sure nobody else can call something a champagne. Mm. In uh, nineteen ten, in fact, let's go way back to the dawn of champagne. Before I mention any more of that, uh, so as everyone knows, as you probably know, dear listeners, that champagne is used to celebrate everything, from uh, christening a boat to uh, connecting the uh, Channel Tunnel to uh, ending a war. Over the centuries, people have used champagne to toast, to celebrate. And it all started with one man. One French man. One Frankish warrior, actually. A, a man named Clovis. Uh, he was the first king of France, and his at his coronation in Rheims, in, in the Champagne region, he drank and celebrated with champagne, with the sparkling of the wine. With the sparkling of the wine, right. And uh, what, what year was this? This was in 496 AD. 496 AD. So, so at, at that time, they didn't even know why wine from that region sparkled. But it did. But it did. And they were celebrating <laughs> with it. I'm impressed that they managed to keep the bubbles intact. Yeah, it was just something that happened with wine from from there, which I guess is why sparkling white wines are synonymous with champagne. Mm. Because that, that was the only place, before they knew how to do it on purpose, that was the only place where it happened by accident. Yeah. And then they started sending it over to England, where it would happen every time. Yes, indeed. It uh, it did. So let's... Let's get into that. Let's get into that, yes. Because uh, throughout the, the effervescing of wine was actually reported as far back as ancient Greece and uh, Roman writers wrote about it. Because they had seen it, I'm, I'm guessing, from the same region, because that's the only place it was ever reported... Mm. But um, so the the bubbles were seen as negative because glass bottles weren't particularly strong back then. They were made with in wood fired ovens that could only burn so hot. So you can't get all the impurities out of it. Yeah. So it, it wasn't mm. the strongest glass, and it wasn't unusual for the pressure building up in a bottle to cause it to shatter. 
and the chain reaction from that shatter would sometimes cause them to lose anywhere from 20 to 90% of the contents of a what? cellar. 90%. 90%. That is... Because I mean, all it takes is you know, one shard of glass flies off, hits another bottle, hits another bottle, hits another bottle. I suppose the pressure wave from them exploding as well. Yeah, but potentially that'll just set each other Amazing. off. Indeed. And uh, <laughs> so the, the British, though, they liked it. The English liked that it sparkled and they mm. had stronger glass. They did. Because it's cold fired. When, yes. when it came to England, by the time it came to England. Exactly. So they were ordering wines from the Champagne region of France that were being shipped over to them in wooden barrels and mm. then put into their bottles, which could handle the pressure and they would drink it just fine. But they still didn't know why it sparkled. Why did it sparkle? Until, well, in 1662, an English scientist named Christopher Merritt discovered the process that had been accidentally causing it to bubble. And um, <laughs> what he discovered was uh, that during the winter months, anything that was bottled ended up sparkling. The reason being that the cool weather would cool the cellar and cool the wine to a point where the fermentation process paused. Not stopped, it paused. It paused. Which and, is the key, um, the key note in this uh, creation of bubbly. Exactly, yes, because they didn't realise that and they kept it in the barrel as long as they usually do and then they bottled it. But then the weather changed and it heated up and the fermentation process resumed mm. once the yeast returned to the correct temperature. But then the sugar being fermented within the bottle created pressure and effervescence and, and carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide, exactly. I yeah, I don't know whether you listeners know, but one of the byproducts from wine from uh, wine yeast converting sugar to alcohol is CO2 which is why champagne bubbles, why beer bubbles, uh, why cider is fizzy. Uh, what normally happens when you're uh, fermenting wine is that there is a, uh, a water valve or a, uh, a pressure release valve in it to let air out, but not let air and bacteria back in. So, uh, so that excess CO2 just gets vented off into the atmosphere. But with champagne and why it was bubbly is because exactly like Mikkel said, it, uh, the, the process was paused and then it was bottled and therefore created a sealed environment for the pressure to build up. Yes, indeed. So um, after that discovery, of course, he, he then realised that any wine could be made sparkling just by adding sugar as it was being bottled, mm. which is how we then end up with sparkling rosés and sparkling Shiraz and sparkling whatever else someone decided to make slightly sweeter Yeah, by throwing a bit of sugar in there when they <laughs> bottled it. Everyone could use a bit of sugar here and there. Very true. And, so. Uh, so that's how we ended up having sparkling wines from other places where it doesn't get cold and then warm again and being able to do it at will instead of by accident. Yeah, now that now the process is done in, in on purpose yes. to create the drinks everyone knows and loves. 
And uh, speaking of drinks everyone knows and loves, let's talk about our good drop. Oh, guys, this is really good for the price. Yes, it is. We've we've got the uh, Brown Brothers Pinot Noir Chardonnay and Pinot Meunier, which it's a mouthful to say, but it's a beautiful mouthful to drink. <laughs> yeah. It's is not su- not sweet, not not a dessert wine. It's not a dry wine. Mm, it's uh, it's not as excessively sweet as you might expect from a Pinot Noir. Mm. Uh, it's nice and bubbly. It's a really smooth drink, and, and it's pleasantly dry yeah. as well, with lovely citrus notes. Oh yeah, to actually describe it, <laughs> <laughs> not just rave about it. Cause, yeah, I'm not good at the uh, the tasting notes. What yeah, are, what are the tasting notes for this well, beverage? It's, um, Green apple flavors and uh, it, um, a nice citrus notes, a soft creaminess, and uh, there is definitely a, a delicate, refreshing acid on the finish mm. that that I'm picking up there. But it's a delicate flavor. It's not really acidic like yeah. some cheap wines, cheap sparklings. Yes, exactly. And th- this is a very reasonable price. I mean, it, it's an Australian wine, so obviously, if you're not in Australia, this won't be as affordable for you. As it is for us, mm. but so worth it. Oh yeah, it's it's really nice. And Brown Brothers know what they're doing. Mm. I mean, they they were founded in uh, in 1889 by John Francis Brown when he was only 18 years of age, and started his first vineyard in <laughs> Millowa, Victoria. As you do when you turn 18. Yeah, oh, guys, I've come of age. Let's uh, let's get pissed all the time. I suppose in 1889, <laughs> being being 18 was actually quite old. Uh, true, I, I guess. But uh, so started a vineyard, and um, then of course it that same vineyard is still producing Brown Brothers wines mm. to this day, 125 years later. Not only do they make fantastic wine, they also make really good port, which is, they make one of my favourite ports to drink on the regular. Mm, in, in fact, they uh, they produce. Over sixty different wines now. Nice. Yeah. That's how do they? They must have a massive vineyard. Oh well, I think they have a couple of vineyards. Oh, a couple. Okay. They, they still use the original vineyard, but there's but just a few extras. As, they as bought, as well. a, yeah. bought a few more. Grapes. Yeah, because they they use a very <laughs> wide variety of grapes. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought all of them would grow in the same region. Well, potentially not. I mean, they've uh, they've got the original vineyard that's um, that's in Millowa, and apparently they've got a vineyard in King Valley. Which is uh, where the grapes for what we're drinking now come from. Mm. Good, and good. Um, probably a number of others as well. So supposedly it was uh, John Francis Brown's son, Charles Brown, who actually suggested that they expand their horizons on using more grapes and making more varieties and really seeing what they could do in Victoria with wines, which, as as we know, there's a lot you can do in Victoria with wines. Yeah. Victoria is probably one of the best wine-growing regions aside yeah. from the Hunter Valley. Yes, outside of Adelaide, in New South Wales. Yeah, well, and Adelaide's in and South, South Australia. No, and South Australia. That's what oh, I mean. Okay, Out, outside of South Australia, because South Australia also has a massive wine-growing region. Mm. Excuse me, I'm just taking another sip of this mm. wine. And in fact, our um, our odd drop for today is from <laughs> South Australia. Yes, uh, it's. It's uh, from the Barossa Valley. It's on the, the name's a little on the nose, but it's a uh, 
I'll, I'll let you say because you got it written down. Yes, it's a Bruce Cuvée NV with the, the NV actually standing for non-vintage. Mm. For, for anyone who's ever seen uh, a sparkly and wondered what the NV stands for. Yeah, they make a, a mix from a few different vintages and it's just easier to say NV than it is to say from years 2010, 11 and 15. And seventeen, mm, and from yeah, from very recent grapes from different years. That's not really vintaged. Mm. Whereas uh, because there there are vintage blends, mm. but they're from vintage grapes. Yeah, from a particular year. Yeah. when we're talking about vintages, if you listen to our wine episode, yes, indeed. If you didn't, shame on you. Go listen to it now. Pause this episode. We'll wait. Okay, so now now that you've listened to that, <laughs> well, welcome back, and uh, and listen to what our odd drop is called. It's called the Bitch Brut Cuvée NV. The the brandy's Bitch. Bitch is an Australian wine manufacturer based in the Barossa Valley. They make many different kinds of wine, not just sparkling. I mean, it's no monsters, monsters attack, but I'm sure it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's I'm sure it's a bitch. Yeah, it's if, a bitch you, to find. Yeah, that's oh, for sure. it is. Yes, we we couldn't actually find any stores that sell it. No brick and mortar stores stock it that we mm. were able to find. That we were able to find online. Yes, yeah. easily, easily located online, very quickly. But brick and mortar stores very hard to find, and we're not sure why that is. Hmm. Maybe well, it could be because of the name. It could some, be some. Some names are on the nose, as mm, it were. Yeah, and they, they just don't want to stock yeah. it. Although you can find porn vodka in Australia, can't you? Uh, I believe you can, yes. Th- there you go. Yeah. Or Ron Jeremy Rum. Yeah, that's that's definitely in mm. Australia. But, so um, I, don't know, from, I don't know why you can't get this stuff. Mm, from, from the description on the websites I found that sell it, it sounds like a very nice bottle. So it's a uh, pale gold to light straw in color. Uh, the the nose is apparently highly aromatic with pear, rock melon, and citrus blossom notes, and uh, reportedly it has flavors of pear, crisp apple, and uh, toasty notes that add an extra layer of complexity. So it it sounds like something we want to drink. Mm. I'm gonna add it to the list. Yeah, because I I think it's yet another thing where if you try it or if you're compelled to hop online and order a bottle. You know, if you want to get a bottle of bitch that's a bitch to get, <laughs> then, you know, let, let us know how it is. Whether you, you know, have, whether you have the bitch sparkling or, you know, the, the bitch Shiraz or whatever, or you know, I believe the bitch maker Moscato as well. So, you know, mm. try, try some bitch wines and let us know what you think. And, and tell, let us know if it was a bitch to get your hands on. Yes. Uh, I I could go for I could probably see myself drinking some bitch Moscato. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if if it's a nice one, I mean, there's the uh, Barossa Valley is a good region for mm. Muscat grapes. Sounds good to me. Uh, uh, we have a runner-up for the for today's odd drop as well. We have Fat Bastard. Oh yes, the the Fat Bastard. Uh, uh, what was it? The um... the French French one. Yeah, it's 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 French, French. but it was uh, uh, Blanc de Blanc. Blanc de Blanc, yes. The white of whites white made of whites. from Chardonnay. 
The yeah. Kylie of Chardonnay grapes. And very French. Everything we could find about this wine was in French. We, we had to go to Google Translator to find some more information on it. And uh, according to the website, it's made the traditional way, even though the grapes aren't from the Champagne region. Like made it, it's made in France, but not the from the Champagne region. Yes, so it, it was um, equally difficult to uh, to locate somewhere where we could mm. purchase it. But but it, but it had a had a mouthful of a name. That yeah, it, it kind of rolled off the tongue though. Fat bastard Blanc de Blanc. It, it does kind of roll off the tongue, but we yeah <laughs> we we could almost say that it's a draw if not for the fact that we should really be pushing the Australian drop. Mm. Yeah, but I. It, it had an honourable... Ne- it. I've, uh, this wine has gone to my head. An honourable mention. That's the one. Is what you that's, need to say, That's yes. what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yes, so... Um, speaking of honourable mentions, we, we forgot to mention the many awards that our Good Drop has, uh, has won, because it's actually, this year alone, won awards at the... Melbourne, Perth, Adelaide, and Rutherglen wine shows, as well as the Victorian and Australian wine shows. Mm. Uh, we had... I forgot to write it down. Um, but yeah, the, they advertised that they won. Uh, they uh, won gold in Class 52 of the Adelaide wine show in 2016, and the uh, National... Class twenty eight, I think it was in the Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier uh, wines in twenty sixteen at the National Wine Show. Mm. And uh, I suppose speaking about things that are fantastic and award winning, time to bring us around to our top drop. Yes, I'm so excited to try this bottle, yes. but it's slightly out of our budget. It, at the it is. This this is. It comes in under a hundred dollars, but only just. Only at, just. Uh, at at ninety five, which still, in the grand scheme of sparkling whites, is not that much. Is not that much. There, <laughs> there are some but that go for five hundred, some that go for thousands. Really, really good wine. Really, really good. Sorry, let me clarify. Really, really, really good champagne starts at a hundred dollars for dirt cheap. Yeah, wine. dirt cheap, good champagne. Yes, so this we we believe is fantastic, coming in just under a hundred. The uh, Lanson Extra Age Brut, which um, is actually a a blend made from uh, it's an aged blend made of two thousand four, two thousand five, and two thousand six grapes. Mm. It's it's interesting that they chose to list that. It was three separate vintages rather than listed as non-vintage. Yeah, well, I suppose because the it's very old, so mm. that that is still technically a vintage. I think they've not used True. recent grapes. Yeah, and they That's... used particular grapes and made it a blend of these particular grapes. Yeah, and particular wines. Yeah, apparently, mm. um, Lanson uh, Lanson House, which produced Lanson wines, was founded in 1760, and since then. That's all, older than the colonisation mm, of Australia. Yeah, and yeah, since, since then, all of their champagnes have been made on Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. Hmm. And that's that's exactly what they've used this time around as well. They're just yeah. grapes from three different years. Hmm. But um, it actually it won double gold at the 2017 Melbourne International Wine Competition 
and the uh, Lansing House Winery was also named the uh, Champagne Producer of the Year at, at that same awards. Wow. So they've they've been doing great stuff, and it is. I mean, they are actually a champagne. To to mm. be champagne producer of the year, you've got to produce champagne. An, an actual champagne. Yeah, it's interesting that it's also interesting. I said that a lot. Um, that Australia has a champagne category in its uh, wine uh, wine awards because we're not France. Yeah, but I, I imagine though, if if you want. Because people have to put forwards their their drink to compete, and if you want to be taken seriously, mm. you've got to have a category for champagne. champagne. If, if you're yes. if you're a wine awards, I mean, you can have a have a award for like sparkling, like sparkling Pinot Noir, Pinot whatever. Um, but why would an Australian wine show have a champagne award. Yeah, I suppose a, a question just to for... stroke more egos for the, the champagne mm. makers. Potentially. I mean, we... Uh, that's, a, that's a question to ask the organisers of the Melbourne International yeah. Wine Competition. Maybe we'll have to go to one of these. I think one of these competitions, to, yeah. Yeah, I think we're going to have to add that to one of the things we have to do for our show. Yes, we'll, we'll go along, we'll... Uh, We'll record. There'll be background noise. That'll be inevitable. Yeah, but, but we'll be at a wine show. Yeah, it'll it'll be worth it. There'll there'll be things because there, there's wine shows, there's spirits shows, there's things mm. we should be attending on your behalf. <laughs> but we aren't because we are only just thinking about it now. <laughs> yes, because we're only just thinking about it now. But thank you, good listeners, for giving us the idea. Yes, we will do this for you. Yes, so now uh, we will very briefly tell you uh, about the flavours of the uh, the Lansing Extra Age Brut. While you're doing that, mate, I'm going to top up our glasses. Okay, so um, yes, uh, apparently it has uh, aromas of figs, pear and honey combined with uh, complex notes of brioche. And yeah, brioche, and uh, apparently it's uh, it's full bodied and uh, incredibly fresh. They uh, they say. I, I still can't get over the brioche. Now it um, yeah, yeah fla- flavors of brioche in in a in a wine sounds bread. interesting, buttery but bread. I suppose that's very French though. The the French do love buttery bread. It's so good though, but yeah, it's, <laughs> that was unexpected. <laughs> I don't yes, know if so, you can hear me or not, so I'm just yelling. Yeah, so it's it's interesting, and we, we may well try it down the track, because it does sound pretty fantastic, and we can get it. It's it's readily available, just like the Brown Brothers. Hell yeah. It It is available from uh, our our favourite non-sponsor, because we... <laughs> We we get Love nothing. <laughs> yeah, we we get nothing from Dan Murphy's. We we assure you of this. They've given us nothing. Not yet. We just find them to be a relatively easy place to locate things at that can be purchased at a brick and mortar store. Mm. And and first choice liquor. Yes, that's, that's our other big one. But because they're like big wine chains or booze chains that uh, have a lot of stock, what they want to do is stock everything everywhere so you may not find the small batch stuff like uh, small batch craft beer or whiskey or uh, rum 
Yeah, know. and that's that's where going to a smaller place like celebrations or something is yeah. is better. Or even a um like a vintage cellars. Yes. Oh, especially for wine. I mean mm. yeah. And there's a there's a few other places around that are wine traders. So they'll have your ten thousand dollar bottles of wine or one thousand dollar plus bottles of wine. Whereas Dan Murphy's and uh, any of your smaller stores won't have it. Because they, they just don't expect to sell it, so it's not worth no. their while to carry it. But, I mean, there has I do see occasionally a nine or $800 bottle of whiskey, so... Well, there, there was a $2,000 bottle of whiskey yeah. the other day, so it's... And that we saw in one of our previous episodes, during research for a previous episode. I still can't get over that. Two grand for a, a whiskey... But we're, we're still small fry, I guess. Yeah. It would need to be an amazing whiskey. An amazing it, whiskey. It probably is. That, but that's the problem. How do you know unless you buy it and try yeah. it? Yeah. Exactly. And are you... Like, with some wines and champagnes, are you buying it because of the bottle and the status associated with the bottle? Or are you buying it to drink? Yes, and if you're buying it to drink, how often do you drink it? How often does one say, I'm going to indulge in what is inevitably a $50 shot of something? Because mm. at, uh, at 22 standards to a bottle, if you're looking at $2,000 for the bottle... That's about $100 a shot. It's about $100 per, per standard drink, yeah. I could I could go uh, go for a night on the town for a hundred dollars. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's it's what makes it hard for for regular folk to. Um, mm. And I, I say regular folk, people who don't have walking around money to to just casually yeah spend that amount on a bottle of anything. That's insane. Yeah, folks like you and I people that are listening to this podcast generally don't have a spare two grand to blow on whiskey or champagne. Yeah, and if, if you do have Armagnac. a spare two grand and you'd like to buy a bottle and ship it to us... Uh, I can give you my P.O. box. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or send us an email at a podcast at gmail.com. Yeah, we, we would uh, love to hear from you. And we will mention you in every episode for the next year. Yeah, if, if you'd like us to, we're, we're happy to uh, to sell our souls for really good drinks. Yeah. Well, this is our quest to find the best drop yes, ever. Yes, indeed. So if you're listening, Dan Murphy's, we are happy to sell our souls for some good drinks. And maybe my firstborn. Well, let's not go overboard. What's, what's, Dan, what's Dan Murphy's going to do with a child? I don't know. Experiment? Like a evil villain or something? Yeah, I, I suppose they, they, they could do that. They... I don't know. Maybe uh, have them work in the loading dock for pittance. Work their way up from from loading dock baby to CEO. <laughs> baby CEO. <laughs> mm, loading dock baby, CEO baby, boss baby. All right, let's get a bit more history in before we wrap it up soon. Uh, as I said as I mentioned way earlier, back in the beginning of the episode, 1910 was an interesting year because after a series of really big crop losses, 
the Champagne region in France was in dire straits. Uh, the the way uh, Champagne was made in France is by these really big Champagne houses like Moet et Chandon, uh, Dom Perignon. Uh, these houses, instead of making or growing the grapes themselves, they'd buy the grapes from the winery, the vineyards, and then make the wines, the sparklings. And uh, in 1910, as I said, there was some really big crop losses and the houses started looking elsewhere and sourcing the grapes from outside the Champagne region, but still calling them Champagne. And the growers didn't like that at all. They revolted like a good France does, mm. like a good citizen of France Yep, the, the French are often revolting. Yeah, they they revolted and the government said, well, shit, all right, here's the Champagne region and they set it out. They set out exactly where the Champagne region is and they said only grapes from the Champagne region can be called, can be turned into wines called Champagne. Did I say that right? Yes. Yes. Only, Champagne. only wines containing grapes grown in the Champagne region can, can be called Champagne. Yes. This wine's gone straight to my head. It's the bubbles. Yeah. Is it? I think it's the bubbles, yeah. It it, it affects you differently because of the well, CO2. I mean, consider mm. what CO2 is. Well, it's what we breathe out. Yeah, exactly. So it affects oxygenation. Hmm. So there is science behind it, and it's yeah. not just people thinking that bubbles go to your head makes pe- bubbles go to your yeah, head. Yeah, but it, cause it literally <laughs> makes you feel slightly more lightheaded because you've got slightly less air because there's more CO2 in your system. Hmm. Because I've had probably one and a bit glasses and I feel like I would if I'd had two or three glasses of whiskey which is interesting yeah There's interesting bit of science yeah hmm. anyway so yeah the the government set out in stone where the champagne region is and certified that only these grapes are will make champagne wines. Yes, and then they trademarked it. They sure did. <laughs> the uh, Madrid Treaty and the Treaty of uh, Versailles. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, Versailles? Versailles? V- yeah. I'm sorry, French people. I'm, I'm not very good at pronouncing, mm. pronouncing your names. Uh, yeah, those two treaties were signed and effectively trademarked the Champagne name for the rest of the world. Yeah, which, I mean, makes, it works, it makes sense. They're not mm. the only alcohol that does it, as as no. we've mentioned in the Brandy episode with Cognac. And Armagnac. And Armagnac, yeah. And, and the tequila episode. And tequila, yeah, and port, and any number of other things mm. that are region-specific. Yeah. And Australia being such a young country, we don't have any region-specific alcohol yet yeah we we basically just have things that say on the bottle they're from australia Hmm. and that's 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 enough with wines i i know from uh from friends of mine in the states that australian wine is quite sought after so we can probably trade a couple of bottles of aussie wine for a bottle of flicker bean oh that would be nice that's (laughs) that's still on our list 
But uh, I, I believe I have a bottle incoming. I've, I've made arrangements. Oh, yeah. We'll let you know how it goes. So that's about it for our episode, guys. Unless you got any more, Mickle? Uh, no, no, that's... Uh... That is uh, that is it. Uh, well, one more thing. Uh, how many bottle caps would you rate this wine? Oh, I think I'd have to give it seven and a half bottle. What was it? Seven and a half corks. Seven and a half corks. <laughs> yeah, because this had an actual cork that we lost while I was setting up for the episode. Yes, we uh, we were making preparations. We wanted to open it on air so you could hear the popping sound. It was a great sound. And everything was ready and it just opened all by itself. Yeah, it opened itself and we lost a couple of mils overboard. Yeah, that's that's pressure for you. Hmm. Under pressure. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, so uh, tune in next time when we talk about uh, craft beer. Craft. We're, we're going back to the beginning, back to beer, and talking about craft beer specifically. Hmm. And, and why... Some beer is called craft beer, while other beer is just beer, or lager, or ale. Yes, yes indeed. It's uh, it's going to be a, a good episode, and certainly a, a must-listen for all you beer and craft beer fans out there. Mm. All you hipsters like myself. <laughs> yep, so uh, be sure to um, email us with any ideas, share us with your friends. Yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, where a good drop podcast on iTunes, uh, where a good drop at gmail.com. We have a website, a gooddroppodcast.com.au. Uh, where else are we? We're um, on Facebook. We are on Facebook. We are a good drop podcast on Facebook as well. So, um, yeah, hunt us down, like us, get your friends to like us, talk about us because that's how we get more listeners. Have a beer with us if you if you want. Well, have a drink What drink along with us. Yes, drink, drink along with us. Yeah, drink, drink along with a good drop. That's, that's a game you could play every time we... Every time we say drop or drink. Yeah, or drink or something like that. Not that we're encouraging irresponsible drinking. No, we, we encourage wise drinking. Yes. Drink yes. Wi- drink wisely. Know, know what you're drinking and why you're currently drinking it. Indeed. And uh, on that note, until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>